It is not easy to sit at the foot of the cross. I would rather not do it. I'm a little ashamed to say that I'm usually thankful that Good Friday is only once a year. And it's not that I simply want to skip ahead to Easter either, because even Easter reminds us that Jesus was in fact dead. I plain and simple want to avoid the cross. It is, however, a mistake to avoid the cross. It's a terrible error to only consider the cross this week or this day, and to not consider it other days. To live a full life, free, open to and abounding in the grace of God, we would do well to live every day that we have on this earth in the dynamic of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And to enter that dynamic, we would do well to sit at the foot of the cross each day and allow God to unfold the rest of the story. Now, why is it that we want to avoid the cross? We may think it's because we don't want to think about the pain that Jesus was in and what he went through when he was there. I think, though, that it might not, that might not really be it. I think it's often more about how we do not want to face our own pain, and specifically, we do not want to face our own sin. And when we sit at the foot of the cross of Christ, we are confronted with the reality of sin. Sin as a great power over us, our corporate sin, under which we all suffer and to which we all contribute, and also our own personal individual sins. All of it gets put on display in the cross, and it's terrible to consider it. And today, we must consider it, and as followers of Jesus, we ought to live daily in this dynamic of sin and grace, Good Friday and Easter. The cross puts sin on display in at least two ways, probably more. First, it illustrates our response to God. God came into the world as his son, Jesus. He spoke truth. He healed people. He proclaimed good news to the poor. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. He rescued people who were tormented by evil spirits. Jesus himself, he was without sin, the only human being to ever be without sin, Jesus was innocent. Jesus did not incite a rebellion against anyone. The whole thrust of his teaching was to love God and to love your neighbor. But that teaching he didn't always apply in the easiest way, nor did he always fit into, into the traditional or the religious mold. He drove out money changers from the temple. He taught people to turn the other cheek and to not exact revenge. He taught that when somebody sues you, you should give them more than what they are suing you for. He asked people to sell their possessions and to give it all away to the poor. He told people to love not just their neighbors, but their enemies and to pray for their persecutors. He did all these things. He taught all these things. But more importantly, he simply was God among us. He showed us what God's love looks like. He showed us what a life of grace is. And our fundamental response to this grace is no. The human response to God's grace 
looks like crucifixion. That is how we treat God. Now, we, want, we may want to say, well, I, I don't treat God that way. I, I don't crucify him. But you see, this is the depth of the cross. It, it forces us to ask whether that's true or not. It, it isn't really the question of uh, if you were there that day, whether you would have been one of those ones crying, crucify, crucify but rather do you in your life turn your back on God? Do you treat God in such a way that you reject his grace? And I think we do all the time. The cross displays what our rejection of God, our denial of God, our betrayal of God, what that looks like. So that's the the first way that the cross puts sin on display. The second way, though, that it It illustrates what our sin ought to do to us. Justice dictates that it ought to be us on the cross and not Jesus, as he is innocent and we are guilty of a rejection of God. Justice dictates that if anyone ought to be on the cross, it is the human race. The cross displays sinful humanity's response to God, but it also displays the just response to our sin what the church for centuries has called being under wrath. And we don't like the idea of being under wrath, but when we consider the cross, it's inescapable. The cross is wrathful and horrible. And in the end, Jesus didn't deserve this. And we did. When Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He went through what we deserve for our abandonment of God for our continual turning away from him. But the great mystery of God's working is that it turns out that it is not us on the cross. Even though he could have put us there and had been and, and would have been justified in doing so. Instead, he went there. He hung there and died there in our place instead of you being rejected by God for your rejection of him. God in his son becomes the rejected one. Instead of you being God forsaken for your forsaking of God, Jesus is the God forsaken one. On the cross, we see what God does with our sin. Jesus hangs there in our place and takes all the wrath for our rebellion against God. God in Jesus was destroying the power of sin in doing this. See, when we run to the cross and we confess that we are broken, sinful, and in need of grace, lo and behold, we find that we start to receive that grace. It boggles the mind to think what God has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. It goes far beyond what we may have thought at first glance. See, each sin, each act of rebellion, each act of denial, each thought, each word, anything even uh, slightly or partly against God or his ways, all of that was taken up by Jesus on the cross. When we run away from the cross and avoid it, we are saying that what God did for us in Jesus doesn't really matter that much. We're saying, I'm fine, thank you. I don't really need you, God. 
But when you run to the cross admitting you need him, it blows you away. His grace abounds. When you place yourself at the foot of the cross, Jesus, Jesus doesn't call out to you from the cross telling you, try harder, work more, do better next time. And nor does he start listing your misdeeds to you. He also does not look at you as though you don't belong at the foot of the cross either. He does not make light of your life, your situation, or your sins that you might usually think are no big deal. No, instead, he welcomes you. He, he allows you to stand judged, but not condemned. And he takes away the guilt for what you have done and what you have left, have left undone. He offers you grace again. He allows you to let him be God rather than you having to try to be in control of things. He allows you to stop denying or betraying him, no questions asked anymore. He allows you to be free in him. The power of sin is broken and grace abounds. Now, there may be other reasons we don't feel like being at the foot of the cross, however. One possibility is that we may not want to sit at the foot of the cross because we still feel guilty or unworthy. And we think, we've got it in our heads, we think, well, if Jesus removes my sin, why do I still feel like a sinner, or why do I keep sinning? And so we may feel like there's something deficient in our faith or in our understanding. second possibility of why we may not want to go there is actually the polar opposite of this. It's more like this. I, I don't feel like a sinner, really. Those who follow Jesus, who do not feel like sinners, may wonder if there is something wrong. I just don't relate to the cross because I don't really think I'm all that bad. Now, both of these possibilities are a further denial of the grace of God. It's helpful to look at Peter's denial of Jesus. Peter denied being one of Jesus' disciples, right? He claimed that he did not even know Jesus, and yet Peter was the, the chief disciple. If, anyone, if we were going to say anyone was his best friend, we might pick Peter to be the best friend of Jesus. And he claimed he didn't even know him. To us, we read this story, and what Peter did is clearly a sin. It's clearly wrong. Uh, he lied, first of all. But worse than the lie, it's a betrayal of a friend and a betrayal of the one that he claimed as Lord. In fact, it's a terrible thing that Peter did. But we do it too. When we avoid the cross for any reason... We're denying Jesus. Because when we avoid or we downplay the cross, we are basically saying that what our Lord and our friend did there doesn't really matter to us very much or has no effect on us. How can we stand at the cross of Christ and consider him there and say to him that what he did there doesn't really matter? To do that is a denial and a betrayal. Uh, listen to this script for a moment. 
I go to church, but I don't really like the cross. I'm not really into all that sin stuff. For me, church and God and Jesus, it's all about just being a good person. And and the church, it helps me stay grounded. And you know, I actually manage okay in my life, and church helps out with that. It really helps. See, that's actually a denial of Jesus. Because Jesus was not a self-help guru. And the church is not simply a support group or an education center. Jesus died for your sin. And your downplaying of that is also sin. You would do well to run to the cross and confess that you have turned away from the depth of what he has done for you. Listen, though, to this script. I am unworthy and worthless. No matter what I do, I can't shake the feeling of guilt for my sin. I know Jesus died for me, but I still just feel terrible. So maybe the cross didn't work. Or maybe, no, that can't be it. It must be that I just have a weak faith or a poor understanding. That must be it. There's something wrong with me. That is also a denial of Jesus. You're denying that he died for you and that it was effective. You would do well to run to the cross and confess that denial of him and begin actually receiving the grace of God. Trust him to remove your guilt. When we wallow in it, we're basically saying that what he did there didn't work. We're not supposed to come to Good Friday or to church ever to feel bad about ourselves and feel bad about our sin over and over and over again, but to have it lifted from us by the grace of God. You see, both of these scripts, which are on two opposite ends of things, are in the end, I think, about control. Both people are trying to keep control of their life in different ways rather than trusting God to be the one who gives out grace. I relate far more to the first script. Most of the time, I don't want to go to the cross because I believe I'm fine without reference to God. My sin is the arrogance that I can take care of myself. My sin is the pushing away of God who simply wishes to embrace me and envelop me in grace. I don't want to go to the cross because I'm fine. I'd rather just go about my day. I'd rather enjoy life than contemplate Jesus' death. But the problem is, is that my unwillingness to go to the cross daily is me saying no to the grace of God. My unwillingness to go to the cross daily is my unwillingness to let Jesus be Lord of my life. If only I would run to the cross each day, and let his grace abound. Jesus on the cross illuminates our sin, and we don't like that. We would rather deny it, even if in the process of denying it, we also deny him. The problem with denying our sin, though, it's a way bigger problem than just denying Jesus. If we deny our sin, we also stay in its power. 
If we let ourselves be confronted by Jesus on the cross, we will come face to face with our own denial of God as God. We will come face to face with our lack of faith. We will see starkly that our response to God and God's grace is most often no. Even though we are in desperate need of it and cannot live life apart from it. We continue to avoid the cross and all its implications for us, but it's a massive mistake to avoid the cross. We need to run to the cross of Jesus, our Savior. We need to run to the cross of Jesus and confess that we have consistently and continually said no to God, that we have sinned, and that it ought to be us hanging there instead of him. We need to run to the cross instead of denying our denial of God. We experience the power of sin being lifted when we place ourselves at the foot of the cross and admit we are sinners, no matter how we feel about it. We experience the power of sin being broken when we admit that there is nothing that we can do about our sin. And when we are thankful for everything Jesus did about it. The breaking of the power of sin in your life, it comes as a gift, not as a given. It's not an expectation that we have of God, that God must meet it and must do it. In the end, I think forgiveness is best when it comes as a surprise. When we place our full lives at the cross of Christ and say, Lord, have mercy. And then we're shocked that he gives it. It's in recognizing that Jesus took all our sin, small and great, simple and complicated, and took all of it upon himself. It is in knowing the depth to which he has gone for me and for you. It is in going to the cross and declaring our sin, our unworthiness, our brokenness, that we receive the grace of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.